All right, I want you to grab your Bible. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and um, we're going to read through that, and we're going to read out of the message translation. Just touch your neighbor and say, uncomfortable favor. We're going to get into Luke 2, and we're going to talk about uncomfortable favor. Favor that doesn't seem comfortable, but it's actually favor. Things that don't seem to be comfortable, but they're actually favor on your life. People don't usually recognize favor that's uncomfortable. Because we can't see past our own irritations. And the problem is, if you don't ever learn to see past what irritates you, you're never going to become anything different than you are now. I'll say it again. If you don't learn to see past what frustrates you or irritates you, you'll never become different than what you are now. You have to have a foresight to see beyond what you're going through to see the greater purpose. Every day when, that, in, when an individual goes to the gym and they're trying to lose weight or tone up or tighten up, they, they, you can work as hard as you want to on that Monday, that miserable Monday. You're going through your sets, you're eating right on Monday, and you know what? You get there, and I know some people love to just, they haven't worked out in 10 years, work out one time, and they're in the mirror like, I do see a difference. No, you don't. There's no difference. You have made up in your mind that there's a difference, but you have not seen it. Actually, you don't grow in the gym. You grow outside of the gym. You're not growing that day anyway. You actually broke your body down. So you don't really see a difference. You just think you did because you put in the hard work, Right? This is how we are programmed with life. This is how we're programmed. When you go into the gym and you're going through the routines and the structures and the, the, the things that are, that, that are necessary to actually become what you want to be, you have to know in your mind, if you're going to get a gym membership and you're going to change, you have to sign up for the long haul. It's not something that you're going to see a difference in three days. You're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to be consistent regardless of what you see. And you're going to have to make up in your mind that if I continue down this path of discipline, I will see a difference in the months to come. It's, you have to have foresight when you are doing these type of things, these significant changes. You've got to have foresight. Amen? Let's go to Luke 2. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from, Galilean, from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son. Her firstborn, she wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger. Hang on one second. We got something beeping back here. We need uh, tap on the door. Get Deb Dorian. Somebody's got to fix that. It's distracting me. All right, let's continue. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hostel. Everybody say there was no room in the hotel. I want you to think about the depth of that. There was no room. In the hotel. Jesus was born in a manger. We say it so cliche. But a manger is no place to be born. It's not even created for humans. It's actually a feeding trough for animals. Isn't that something? 
It's a feeding trough for animals. <laughs> I'll let you think about that a little, little more in depth. It's a feeding trough. When you eat finished lamb and you change your diet to finished work diet and you begin to eat of Christ in the finished work, it changes your whole perspective. No wonder he was born in a feeding trough. Maybe we're supposed to be eating the finished work, digesting the gospel. Amen, somebody. So he's born in a feeding trough of hay. Hay is not the best. Now, I, I, I've had the privilege of growing up in several different areas and arenas. And a lot of times we would go visit my, my family down in the Illinois. And it was on the border there. So it was like close to Kentucky. And so it was a farm. And you know it's hillbilly stuff because it was my aunt uh, Nellie and Uncle Vernon. You know, white folk, we call them Aunt Nellie, not Aunt Ant. I don't even know how that works out in the spelling, um, but I think we got it wrong. But it's Aunt Nellie and Uncle Vernon. That just sounds hillbilly. And um, we would go down there, and they would have this farm. They'd have chickens running all over the place. And I had the, the honor of seeing chickens at a young age get their heads cut off and how they run around. And I don't even know how they're still alive, but they're running around. And they, Oh, yeah, look at Hey, uh, come on. I got an amen over there. Yep, and and you'll cut their head off, and they'll still run around, all kinds of just crazy stuff, right? I, I would see all that, and I would I was fascinated by the farm life. I was fascinated by this stuff because everything we ate down there, they was growing. When we wanted to cook dinner, we'd go pick it out of the garden. Um, it was all fresh, and it was some of the best meals that you've ever had. And long story short, we would also have to go in the barn, and we'd have to get the these big stacks of hay, and we'd have to... You know, put them on, put them in the back of the barn and stack them the way that my uncle wanted them stacked. And then we'd have to use them for different things. And there's a lot of things you can learn about God and about the season that you're in simply by just looking at how God structured things as it relates to agriculture and land and farming. For instance, hay, for one, you can actually, if you cut hay in the wrong season, cows will actually eat the hay and still die of starvation. Simply because the hay was cut in the season, it didn't produce any nutrients. There's a lot of people in the church dying right now. You're eating garbage. And that's why you're dying. You're still in the church completely full in your stomach, but you have no nutrients. You're actually dying spiritually. You can be a gluten, or a glutton, excuse me, a glutton, and still die simply because you don't have the nutrients that you need for your body to actually function the way that it's designed to function. So it's important that the farmer understands what season to actually cut the hay in. And so hay is nothing to play with. This stuff gets all over everything. It's not comfortable at all. When you think of comfort, you don't think of hay. You don't have a pillow at home that's filled with hay. You're talking about, oh, I can't wait to cuddle up to that. It, 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 it's, it's, it's pokey. It's pricky. It's, it's not, and Jesus, a baby of all things which are soft and cuddly and cute and their skin is easily penetrated because it's, 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 it's baby skin. It, it's, it hasn't been through anything yet and it's, it's perfect and it's, it, it's, it's just so sensitive. And, 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 and he's put into this manger. Can you imagine how uncomfortable it was? And here's what gets me about the whole story. I just want to throw out some scriptures real quick. And we're, we're going to read them fast, so keep up. Just go over to Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. Hold it up for me real quick, Pastor Tim. As soon as you get it, just go ahead and read. 
Here's Genesis. We're going all the way back in the Old Testament for a second. Watch this. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between its feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. What is that saying? It's prophesying the coming of Jesus all the way back in Genesis. This is thousands of years before he actually was born. Look at to the next one. Micah 5.2. Let's read. But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter, from you will come the leader who will shepherd, rule Israel. Well, we already know in Matthew, when you read the genealogy of Jesus, that Joseph actually comes from the house of David. Which means Jesus was from the lineage of David, which is why they called him the son of David. This is Micah 5.2 already prophesying the coming of Jesus and the virgin birth. Look at here in Isaiah 11, chapter 1. Watch what the prophet says. A green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump, from his roots a budding branch. Jesse, the son of the, the, the father of David. Look, at, it says that what? It says that just as a new branch is sprout from a stump, so a new king will arise from among David's descendants. Obviously, it's talking about Christ. Look at here, Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. Look at that. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. These are several prophets that's talking about this. They've never even met each other, these guys. Watch this. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. Woo, look at Isaiah 7, verse 14. Continue. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with the child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. I don't know if y'all catching this. Thousands of years it was prophesied he's coming, and yet God did not see it fit to book a room. I need you to see that there's purpose in this, not just, it wasn't just that there was no room book. God could have planned it. He had all the time. He'd been talking about it for thousands of years. There's a reason why he didn't book the room. There's a reason why the most glorious thing that ever happened to creation could not come in comfort. I need you to see that there's a reason why you're uncomfortable right now. It isn't just because happenstance. It's not just because, well, today's Wednesday and it just happened to be this way. You're uncomfortable because God's got you in this season. You'll never grow with comfort. We never grow when we're comfortable. You don't pay attention to things on your body that are comfortable. When you put a shoe on that's too tight, you realize my foot hurts. When the shoe fits perfect, you, you don't even bother thinking about your foot. Uncomfortable things cause us to pay attention to areas that we need to focus on. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I know that if it's uncomfortable, God's got a plan. I'm telling you right now, God's got a plan. Maybe you're outgrowing a season it's time for you to come out of. And maybe it's tight because God is trying to expand you. Maybe the giant in you is emerging. Come on, somebody. <laughs> God had thousands of years he had been talking about this birth thing. And Jesus finally shows up and there just happens to be no room available. Oh, we're all booked up tonight. No, no, no. God knew it was going to be booked up. The manger was available because that was always the plan. 
Isn't it crazy that the king of kings that owns everything decided to make his entrance into the world through poverty? Isn't it amazing that he said, if I'm going to change the world, he knew everything. We're not talking about somebody that's growing in knowledge here. We're talking about someone who was infinite knowing. And he knew everything. He knows what it takes to change the world. He knew that if he came with splendor, if he came with royalty, if he came through a palace, he knew that nobody would really get it. He knew that real kings are found through the leading of the Spirit. The audience that Jesus would would have that would gather around him would be those who have traveled far and long, and they was traveling as the Spirit was leading, whether it was through a star or whether it was through another means. But they was coming from afar off, and the only way that they knew where they was going is because something above them was leading them. <laughs> and they was going to a place to their surprise that would not be royalty to celebrate the king of all kings. I don't care how great of king you think David was. I don't care how brilliant and wise you think Solomon was. There was never a king like Jesus. And his crown was thorns. See, the more whole we become, the less we are offended when God asks us to give up things. If you are fighting to protect your treasure, you're probably wounded. If what God is asking you to give up, if you're having difficulty doing it, you're exposing your insecurities. What we can't give up is our master. This is why many of us have a hard time with giving. We're mastered by it. That's also why you stay in the place that you're at. Because God can't trust you with more. You won't even let go a little. It's the truth. You see how quiet it gets when you talk about that. Truth. I'm telling you, it will offend you before it frees you. It challenges us at a deep, deep, deep level. And regardless if we like it or not, truth remains truth. And there's nothing you can do to change it. It's truth. Amen, somebody. If you struggle in that area, man, surrender your heart and watch what God does, I promise you. Because 2020 is going to be just like 2019 and all the other years until you discipline yourself to think different. You ain't going to get that message from me this year. 20, I, listen, don't come here on, on, on the 28th looking for, for a, a message of 2020 is going to be your year. Because it may not be your year. It actually may be the year of hell for you depending on where your mindset is. Just like 2019, all the declaring and decreeing and all the stuff that you did over 2019 and then walked through a whole bunch of crazy stuff that you didn't expect. It's because your mind didn't change. God does not exist in calendars. Calendars are man-made. God don't have a 2020, y'all. God don't have a, 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 a year. God is God. He's beyond all of that stuff. Amen? In the body of Christ, we are always, our, our seasons change by revelation. When God reveals to us the things that he's trying to get to us and then it, it, it actually, uh, you know, gets to our heart, that's when things begin to shift and change. You know that the information you hold in your mind isn't enough to transition you. You can know it here, but until it affects here, until it actually becomes a part of the real you, nothing changes.
Good teaching, Pastor G. Thank you, sir. Everybody say, no room in the hotel. I want to go back real quick, and I'm going to kind of switch the subject. I'm, I'm still on the same, the same subject, but I, just for a second. Because I, I've been hearing a lot of stuff. I, I had some guy tell me before I was actually speaking with Mitch. We had went to grab some uh, breakfast the other day, and I was speaking to him a little bit about this. But I want to bring it up to the congregation about the virgin birth. Because people say, well, Pastor, it just seems like a fairy tale. How can you believe in a virgin birth? Really? Come on, Joseph. Dude, you ain't touch her at all. And she just happens to be pregnant. Yeah. That's what the scripture says. Scripture also defines, and notice Joseph didn't write his own letter, so why would he have somebody else lie for him that he never met? Joseph was a man of the law. He was a righteous man. And he was a man that was actually bothered by the whole fact. Can you imagine? I'm engaged to this woman. I'm about to marry her. She's a young girl. I'm getting ready to marry her, and she happens to just start showing signs of being pregnant. I ain't touched her. What's the first thing you're going to want to do? You're going to want to hurry up and marry her, which we all know anyway. You still, babies don't happen that fast. Or you're going to leave town and hope that nobody knows. And that's exactly what he wanted to do. And then the Holy Spirit came to Joseph and actually said, no, 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 don't do that. What, th- th- this is actually God that's involved in this. This birth is going to be from God. And then he gave him instructions on what to do. And then God gave him instructions on what to name. See, Joseph never named Jesus. Joseph was obedient to name Jesus what he was already told to name him. Isn't that something? God names his miracles. God names his miracles. What God births, God gets the name. Come on, somebody. You, see, you may think it's just a name. It's not just a name. Come on now. It's not just a name. A name is, 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 is a powerful thing. It is a very powerful thing because it's attached to your identity and your nature. So God begins to describe that and said, call him this. But this is what's amazing about the thing. Somebody said to me, you know, uh, well, how can you say that a virgin birth, it sounds like we're believing in just like a fairy tale. The Bible is just full of these type of things. And we live in such an atheistic perspective today, a, cultural, a culture that likes to just kind of attack everything that is God and that is gospel. And what is, what is more scary to me is how many Christians are falling prey to this type of thinking. And it bothers me as a pastor because I do my best to train myself in a apologetics and to get as much learning as I can so I can offer you apologetics so that your faith may be um, uh, strengthened in the things of God. But but here's the thing. So Stephen Hawkins, everybody familiar with Stephen Hawkins? He's probably the world's premier atheist. Okay, scientific guy, uh, kind of a smart guy in certain areas. And then um, in other areas, I would completely disagree with him. And he would make him. He actually, I wrote down a quote that he actually said in one of his books, and this is this is exactly uh, verbatim what Stephen Hawkins actually said. He said the universe created itself out of nothing. That was his actual quote. That the universe created. Now here's an atheist that denies the virgin birth of Jesus. So explain this to me. You don't believe in a virgin birth, but you believe in a virgin birth. In other words, 
you're actually saying that the universe can create itself out of nothing. That sounds like a virgin birth to me. (laughs) Dude, what are you talking about? You're telling me you have a problem because God decided to interfere with humanity. You have a problem with that because you don't like the truth that Jesus teaches, but you'll turn around in faith and say that the universe just kind of came out of nowhere and nobody touched it. So it's, in essence, you do believe in a virgin birth. You just don't believe in Christ. And this is the kind of nonsense that's attacking the church. And because we got so many Christians that go to churches to where they're not challenged to think, we don't have anything to refute them with. Stephen Hawkins is a brilliant dummy. I have no problem with that. Uh, some of the science that, that, that was associated with him, because I think it, it helped humanity in, in some ways. But as Albert Einstein said, science without God is futile. Science without God. If, if Albert Einstein, largely respected as the most brilliant mind to ever, ever walk the earth, literally said, science absent of God is futile. There has to be an intelligent designer. Nothing comes from nothing. Even if you believe in a big bang, who did the bang? Even if you believe in evolution, where did the monkeys come from? It all has to start somewhere. (laughs) So there is such thing as a virgin birth, I would argue, and I believe that is significant because of Christ. But there's much more going on in this virgin birth than just what meets the eye to the skeptic. Because they don't understand the finished work, because they don't understand the power of the gospel, because they don't understand that God's love for humanity was going to be demonstrated in the life of this son, this seed, this patterned son that we call Emmanuel, God with us. They're missing the bigger picture. He was coming to fix humanity. He had set back since Adam and watched us kill and murder and backbite and try to solve problems on our own and lead into our own understanding, watching kingdoms fall and bloodshed all over for centuries and thousands of years. He finally said, i got to step in the middle of it and show them what it's like to actually be human. I'll become a human and show them how to do life. Because they're not getting it looking up to the stars. So I'm going to intervene and I'm going to take a breath of my own air. <laughs> and I'm going to enter in to their limited state. <sighs> and I'm going to show them how to do life. And I'm going to do it all the way from the beginning all the way to the end. And I'm going to do it to the point to where I love not my life unto death. I'm also going to show them how to die. Virgin birth. Now, we celebrate the 25th. My my daughter, she's starting to ask all these questions. They're deep questions, too. Daddy, is the so the Christmas is Jesus' birthday? I said, no, it's not. What do you mean? So what are we doing? I said, you're getting a lot of toys. I'm tired of giving that dude in the red suit all the credit, man. We working for this stuff. Man, come on now. They wanted to sit on his lap the other day at the mall. I sat down at the table. I said, pop one right here. One lay here, another one here. (laughs) Grab a leg. (laughs) Santa Claus ain't got no hair. (laughs) 
laughing at me. But here's the thing about it. I want to go to Luke 2. There's a passage. Just give me a second here just to, 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 to say this. Um, I'm going to tell you why, first of all, that there's several things as to this scripture and this passage, why Christmas isn't on the 25th. Actually, Jesus is probably born, um, and I, I would put all my eggs in one basket on this, in spring. Actually, probably, well, it's definitely not the 25th of December. Um, but he was probably born in spring. Um, and, and it's not something that I care about because the truth is, is God never told us to ever do any of the stuff that we're doing on this day, on the 25th. None of the stuff. This is a lifestyle commitment that we're, that we're doing. We celebrate him from a lifestyle. This is not something we turn on and turn off. Right? This is where people miss it with the Sabbath. I get it all the time because we worship on Saturdays. Are you Seventh-day Adventist? No. I am an Adventist for the seventh day. There's a difference. The seventh day is actually, come on now, it's Christ. He's, he, come on, come to me, all who is weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Seventh day is a person. It's not a day. Come on, somebody. We, 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 know, we already know that uh, uh, throughout Scripture that we've we seasoned from our own works and we've entered into the true Sabbath. But to Jesus, he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You know, come on now. He was the seventh day walking around. I don't even have time to teach that right now. But um, we miss so many things because we, we like to highlight days so we can celebrate days and festivals. And this is where Paul talked about how, how all of those things are fulfilled in Christ. And, and Paul was a Jew trying to teach us that, that these things are fulfilled in Christ. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Right? And so this is what's happening here in Luke. Watch what happens here. The, the Bible says in, in, in verse 8, let's swing down to verse 8. There's a particular verse that I want to pull out. It says that there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Now, to you uh, that have not been to school or, or have studied this, that may just be a common scripture. Like, oh, Jesus is born and there's people outside watching sheep. No, no, no. You have to understand, they was at night watching sheep. That only happened in the springtime in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the town where they would specifically raise the animals for sacrifice for the temple. All right? It was also, I don't know if you know this about lambs, lamb are, lambs are only born once a year and at the same time every year. Same time every year. They're always born in the spring. Which is why he was called, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm trying to. He, it wasn't just happenstance he was born that time to fulfill all prophecy they was watching night watching their sheep because at night at that time that was when the baby lambs was born and they was absent that was that was when all the predators would try to get the young ones and so at this time of the season this is when the watchmen would go out and watch that they would not have been out there watching at night if it was in december in bethlehem because there was nothing to watch are you seeing what i'm saying and I love the fact that we can really understand, understanding that he was born somewhere in the springtime. The spring is what? Spring represents new creation. It's, it's when the old has fallen away and the new is coming. Come on, somebody. The new is coming. Jesus was the representation of new creation, the firstborn amongst many brethren. 
the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they was there to celebrate him. What gets me about all of it is that the king of kings, we're talking about the guy that owns everything, is born in the most uncomfortable, uh, poverty-stricken situation. And what is amazing to me is even creation. The Bible says that the stargazers, that's what the, uh, the, watch, the, the, the wise men really was. I don't know where we get this narrative of three wise men. Scripture never says there was three of them. But there is three gifts that they gave them. Maybe we associated that with them. But anyway, this this company of wise men that was traveling far from the east, they all the way from the east had heard. These was not Christians, by the way, guys. These was not people. He was even Jews, by the way. They were stargazers. In today's uh, world, we would call them astrologists. They would stare at the stars, and they was they would they was into what some of us would call that witchcraft today, if we if we think about it. And this is what's amazing to me that even in their religious practice that was not Christian, it still led them to Jesus. There may be one way to God, but there's several ways to Jesus. If you don't believe it, look at how messed up your situation was and how you are where you are today. God will let you go through some crazy stuff to get back to truth. Stuff that you would never have fathomed going through, but it led you right back to Jesus. They're following a star thinking that it's truth and it leads them right to the answer. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? The king Herod, he had heard about the prophecies and this king coming up and he didn't want to lose rule. He said, man, I'm going to cut a deal with you guys. When you find this joker, send word to me. I'm going to come and celebrate him too. But they knew in their heart that it wasn't going to be what he said it was going to be. They worshiped the king. This is what's amazing. They made a contract. Come here right here quick, Mitch. Watch this. Come here, tell just real quick. Let, let, let's, you, you stand right there. So here, here, here's, you got your Christmas Jesus manger stuff on. All right, so watch. And you over here with me. Pastor Tim, come on, let me use you real quick. Here's the wise men. And I'm going to be Herod. I'm, I'm this dude. I've got a, a motive that I'm not exposing right now. Hey, I heard there's a king that was born. Everybody's celebrating him. Man, I, listen, man. You guys enjoy yourself tonight. Here's the palace. It's all mine. I'm sure he was whining and dining. He was probably doing everything. He, he was a king. To impress them. And then all of a sudden he says, listen, when you find him, because Herod ain't about to be out there like this, like, where is he at? Like looking at the star. He's like, when you find him, when you find him, come back and report and tell me where he's at. And then I'm going to come and celebrate him with you. They did not know of the motive that he had at that point. They finally follow what's above them. Keep going all the way. They're following what's above him. Herod's still here, none the wiser. He's just waiting for the word. The Bible says they offered frankincense, myrrh. And what's the third one? Huh? And gold. That's the biggie. They offered all these gifts. And then watch what the Bible says. The Bible says that after they worshipped, that they had a dream. That warned them not to go back to Herod, but to go home another way. Isn't it funny? Their perspective, they wasn't privy to what the enemy was setting up here. It wasn't until they worshipped here that it opened up their heart to come into alignment with the plan of God. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's something happens when you find yourself getting close to the birthing process. And then you worship in the middle of your uncomfort. The perspective changed, and all of a sudden they begin to actually do the will of God, even though they wasn't actually Christians. They wasn't what we would call people who was Jews that was following the Mosaic law. They had no, they didn't even know anything about that. <laughs> they get there and as they worship him and they offer gifts to him, something was happening in their heart that it became a gateway. For them to now get aligned to the purposes of God. And because they chose to go back a different way than they came. Because they chose to listen to God. Herod gets mad. Because he's still sitting over like, where's he at? See, it would have been easy for Herod to find. The enemy can always find us when we take the royal road. When we want to shine, it's always easy for the enemy to find us. But when God can hide you in things that are uncomfortable, the enemy, he's sitting over there like, man, where's he at? Where's he at? I checked the palace. He ain't there. What kind of a king ain't born in a palace? What kind of a king doesn't have a whole bunch of entourage? What kind of a king doesn't have this and that and this and that? Where's he at? Man, he can't find him. And the wise men was wise enough to stay wise after worshiping and go another way. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, Herod gets mad. And he orders the killing and the slaughter of every person that is two years and younger and kills every boy that he can find, which means Jesus was lonely in his generation. That he would come back and find it very hard to find anybody his age that was going through what he was going through. (laughs) I need you to catch that. Some of y'all that make a decision to follow Christ, the thing that makes you abandon that call, a lot of times you feel lonely. And I'm telling you right now, don't abandon it because you feel lonely. Stay focused. Stay focused. The closer you grow, the the, the more you grow in God, the more you're going to feel isolated from people. Because God needs to build a reliance on him in all things. Some of the most challenging tests that we'll ever face are going to be things and seasons that we do not understand or feel understood in. And you're going to have to stay faithful to the things of God. This all right tonight? Thank you, Wesma. I appreciate it. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. I don't know what it is that you're going through tonight, and I I just want you to be sensitive here. Just by showing of hands, how many can say, Pastor, I'm in that uncomfortable season right now. I want to speak to you, and I want to speak to your heart, and I want you to open up and hear me tonight. God had been prophesying this coming of Christ for a long time. He had more than enough time to properly prepare a room. For the coming of Christ. But God knew what he was doing. On one hand. He was putting Jesus in a place. To where only. The only people that would find him. Are the ones that was there for the right reasons. Jesus was surrounded at his birth. With people that was there for the right reasons. People that was givers and not takers. 
need you to hear this. Jesus was surrounded by people who was actually givers and not takers. Some of y'all are surrounded by all takers, and that's why you feel empty right now. You ain't got no more to give. And you feel really, really empty right now. Sometimes taking the lesser road, allowing God to develop you in the uncomfortable situations where you feel misunderstood and you feel frustrated, allowing God to do that will produce in you more God quality than if you take the things that you actually want. You can run after all the flashy stuff. You can run after all the stuff that your flesh wants. And I promise you, you will be lesser for it. The relationships that find us in our uncomfortable seasons are typically the ones that last a lifetime. The relationships that find us in our uncomfortable seasons and our tough seasons are the ones that mostly last the lifetime. You'll find that the crowds will get bigger when you become less kingdom relevant. It's truth. Jesus had a whole lot of people following when he was handing out healings, y'all. When he got to that cross, when it was time to lay the life down, when it was time to quit dishing out healings and raising deads and forgiving sin, and when it was finally time to fix humanity by taking his last breath, where was everybody at? I'm speaking to you tonight. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray with those of you that said, Pastor, I'm in this uncomfortable season right now. I want some prayer to help encourage me to stay steadfast in it. Because I promise you, Daddy's going to do something glorious in your life. You are not alone in this season. This was the room that was booked. God made sure nobody else was there in that manger. That's the room he booked. (laughs) God put us in this situation this season. And if we can endure it, I promise you, you will have better relationships. They'll find you from afar off. And they'll bring gifts that will be beneficial to your life. It may not be money. It may be love. It may not be myrrh. It may be respect. It may be forgiveness. I don't know what it is right now that you're deprived of. It may be forgiveness you're deprived of. You may be sitting right now in a pool of condemnation over the things that you've done in your life. And maybe God is bringing a friend into your world that's going to convince you that you are completely forgiven just like God said you are. And maybe he's going to convince you that you are loved just like God said you are. And maybe she's going to convince you that you're worthy just like God said you're worthy. Maybe these friendships are going to break off the lies the enemy keeps telling you to keep you in a condemnation state. I don't know what gifts these wise men are coming, but if you'll stay uncomfortable, I promise you they'll find you because something above them is leading them to you. But if you can endure what is uncomfortable, I promise you, if you can endure what don't make sense, I promise you, if you can endure right now what is just kind of eating away at your soul, I promise you God has not forgotten about you. You are not accidentally in this season. I promise you, this is a God thing. Hear the Father speak into your heart tonight. This is a God thing. 
So I want all of you to say, Pastor, I want prayer. I want the prayer team to come at this time. And those of you that want prayer, I just want you to line up here. We're going to pray with you tonight. Pastor, I'm uncomfortable. Pastor, I don't understand what is going on in my life right now. And you want us to just pray with you and agree with you. I promise you, I promise you, God has got you. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah.